totally football snow. Midweek action at Wembley. Rochdale's run like Trump's promising prospects in Nam ended by Spurs. Meanwhile, as UEFA confirmed, one, two, three, four, we don't want your lousy VAR. Is football losing the battle with technology? And what'll happen if Stockley Park ever becomes self-aware? Elsewhere, there's Premier League. The Gunners facing Man City again in a Thursday night fixture. Still, at least they'll be used to those. We'll look at the candidates for succession at Arsenal and all the other excitements this weekend. Chelsea taking on Man City. Pardew packing his baggies in his last stand with West Brom. And all the news from abroad, including Neymar's operation. All of that in today's Totally Football Show. Inside the Totally Football Show igloo today, we have Matt Scott. Hello. Hello, Matt. You walked in from Camberwell. Mm. Boom. Daniel Story's here. You I took do. a train, Daniel. Yes, and ain't no winter white enough to keep me from you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's the hearty chuckle of a James Horncastle. <laughs> Hello. All right. Here's Paul with a topical question. What is the best game you've ever seen played in the snow? Best game? Hmm. Hmm. The, the answer is uh, Nottingham Forest Spurs in 1996. Which okay. Was, Why was that so special? It was completely clear of snow, no snow at all, no snow predicted about 15 minutes before kickoff. And by 14 minutes into the game, it was abandoned because of a complete whiteout. And Spurs were playing in a white kit with a white ball. Ah. So it was, uh, it was farcical. Well, well, it was a bit like last night. I yeah. mean, it's just the disembodied what? heads running around a football pitch. Right. A bit like uh, actual soccer. Yes. From, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Surely uh, any game from the 80s and 90s on the big match with, with the orange ball. What's happened to the orange ball? That I don't know, because the yellow ball yesterday proved singularly invisible. Mm. Mm. Should raise questions about the quality of the snow at Wembley. Um, Wednesday's 6-1 win over Rochdale, this was, in their FA Cup, what, fifth round replay. Uh, and a game which offered much, perhaps not as much as that that classic Forest encounter, but that you had seven goals, uh, oh, a peach of a pass for for Rochdale's uh, equaliser. He had a, a twelve minute hat trick, a perfect hat trick indeed from Fernando Lorente. The whole spot the ball thing. Oh, a sixteen year old schoolboy, and lots of uh, stoppages for you know charades. Referees making oblong shapes and that. I've read that VAR's influence on Wednesday's game at Wembley cannot be overstated. Is that true, Daniel? <laughs> uh, it was It was a, a VAR's, yes. A it, it was, it's strange in that the referees clearly want to get to the right decision, but it's almost as if they've come together and thought, let's make this look as farcical as possible, and then it won't be introduced. Conspiracy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm closing in on the conspiracy theory angle. Um, the idea of going to to VAR is to make sure you get decisions absolutely correct. The problem is, is you then have bring in this thing called clear and obvious error, which is is not subjective. You know, it becomes um, you know it becomes a matter of of opinion. And they made a call last night against Fernando Llorente for Tottenham's non-first goal that was wrong. Um, they called it a foul by Llorente, which maybe you could have come to that angle maybe you could have come to the opinion that it was that it wasn't a foul that it was a foul on Llorente what it certainly wasn't to me anyway was a clear and obvious error it just it just leaves the the, the fans in the stadium absolutely bemused because they didn't know what was going on right and it just it it just makes the game incredibly staccato which is Everything. I think what's interesting at the moment is that UEFA and FIFA don't seem to be on the same page on this because you've got UEFA, their president, coming out and saying we're not going to have video assistant referees in the Champions League next year. And I think we've got an IFAB meeting what this weekend where I think the expectation is that it will be used in the World Cup 
Um, but that, that's on the table in this IFAB meeting, yes. is it? Okay. Yeah. So which yeah. would be. I would say interesting, but then again, it might actually be really dull because that's one of the problems. That I think they calculated about six or seven minutes added on to the first mm. half alone at Wembley on Wednesday night for the various VAR decisions. I mean, I only watched the highlights and that, was, that made me really angry because it disrupted the flow of the game. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were busy watching the Coppa Italia. Mm. Uh, semis. We'll talk about Same them. Legs, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But surely Matt. it's down to question of communication. The thing that you get with... The rugby codes is that you understand what's being said to each other, and certainly as a viewer, um, why that's part you have of the that? frustration. But it, doesn't it just still mean that you cannot respond spontaneously to the game because you're waiting to hear what some disembodied uh, body uh, is is going to uh, decide on the whole thing? But, but I, with rugby, you, mm. you, you're being talked through it as a viewer. Um, it, it's uh, the football; it's not doing any of that. It's mm. just it's a two way conversation between the referee and and the blokes at Stockley Park, and we are not party to it. And that's where our frustration comes from. I think I'm personally right, thinking it's, vast, it's a vast topic. But to what extent do you think that UEFA's topic? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but to what extent do you think UEFA's uh, position that they kind of formalised yesterday on the, the fact that they won't be going with VAR in the Champions League next season. To what, to what extent do you think that represents a... Discord. A t- there's been this feeling that VAR's uh, spread was inevitable. To what extent do you think... <laughs> Well, it sounds like SARS when yeah. you say it's <laughs> the pandemic yeah, yeah. of VAR. All right, the yeah. pandemic. But to what do you think? To what extent? Well, the Premier do you think League are anti, yeah. aren't they? I mean, they're not. They're not. They're not keen, not keen either. No. So I don't. I think there's. There's. It, it, it's a subjective decision whether or not you. Uh, is, it, is it clear and obvious? No. I mean, it's, a, it's down to the regulator themselves, and there's not many people who are in favour of it. The FA, to, to their credit, have have decided to be the the laboratory rats, and uh, well, them and, and various leagues are. are yeah, but yeah. you know, in this country, and I, I just think it's the application of it personally. I think it's a good thing. Um, anything that assists the referee, anything that that ensures the quality of result, particularly when there's so much hanging on it these days. When it's five million pounds per Premier League mm. place, you know, a point, a goal here or there can can affect people massively. But the reason so there's all that money is because people right. pay to be entertained, and I'd say the quality of the result is secondary to the the quality of the entertainment and that's my issue with VAR but as I say it is a vast topic Uh, Rochdale go home happy despite the loss is that fair Daniel? Yeah they got their £250,000 Did they get Uh, home at all? (laughs) (laughs) Um, interesting an interesting aside from that is obviously the the announcement this week or the examination this week of whether they'll scrap replays from the FA Cup fifth round to create that mini or staggered winter break in beginning of February um, and the football league clubs have pretty much unanimously said that they think it's a terrible idea. And and as generally happens, footballers turn around them and said, "That's really nice, but we don't really care what you think." And and it will be introduced, whatever I suspect. You um, think? Okay, so w- w- what will this be? In, in what form will this? The idea is that they have a, a stagger winter break, whereby far, uh, ten Premier League teams play on one weekend and ten Premier League teams play on the other weekend. So uh-huh. teams will get teams not in Europe will have a break of at least 13 days uh, and the FA Cup fifth round will be a, a fully midweek affair with no replays. Have West Brom been trialling that for some <laughs> Yeah, indeed, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> Alan Pardew very much uh, taking one for the team. It's great that they're going to introduce this after a World Cup year. Yeah, well, it means, we're def- it means we are going to win the Euros in 2020, which is right, worth looking forward And the Nations League, possibly, mm. although I'm still a bit confused about that. Uh, anyway, so Rochdale, bottom of League One, uh, but with a whole bunch of games... How? 
Huh? How? I mean, they're really well, they got good. a lot of games yeah. in hand, <laughs> but they're really good. They could have been two one up. They they hit the post after yeah. equalising shortly yeah. afterwards. Yeah, mm. but they, they, I mean, they have against Millwall. They were outstanding in the first, you know, the the, the the tie proper of this before the replay. They were outstanding. They were outstanding again last night. The touch. I mean, you mentioned the through ball, which mm. was lovely, but the the first touch from the striker. Oh gosh, why have I forgotten his name? Yeah, Humphreys. Uh, Humphreys. That's yeah. right. Yeah, um, was absolutely extraordinary and, and a great finish. Very cool as well. well I mean, it shows you that there really is right proper talent further down the leagues it's not all about the Premier League absolutely all the way down to uh, Vanarama I find yes I'll be at Boreham Wood Macclesfield actually yeah. this this Saturday if it's, if it's not snowed off if it's yeah. not snowed off because I think Tuesday's Boreham Wood uh, fixture didn't didn't actually make it didn't didn't survive the weather Spurs hosting Huddersfield meantime this weekend no Alderweireld Full nil to Spurs, they won away at the John Smith Stadium. Of course, that's a big game in that top four race, which is looking so congested right now. A lot more snow uh, forecast for the weekend. So I'm presuming the Premier League are going to bust out the orange balls, no? No, they'll stick with the winter ball. Really? Mm. What's interesting about this, um, and this happened in Italy on, on Sunday, is, is one of the reasons why they called off um, the Juventus-Atalanta game was because... When it comes to goal line technology, they need everything ah. to be in order two hours before the game. And because there was this sudden um, snowfall, they couldn't, they couldn't do that. Um, and that was not the main factor in, in them calling it off, but it certainly was a key influential factor in them doing Goal line that. technology. Exactly, yeah, because obviously it's not so much, it's about making sure that plane is clean yeah. and that... Um, and that the technology obviously doesn't glitch because of whatever interference there might be. So, you know, that will be on their minds when they you know, decide to go ahead with some of these games. Right. A lot of snow forecast for the, for the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see what actually goes ahead. Sorry, Daniel, you're... That to me seems a, a bizarre situation whereby no one's thought we could just not use goal line technology for a weekend. I mean, anti-technology sort of, you know, we're really coming up against it here. Yeah. <laughs> technology <laughs> getting in the way. I am a Luddite. <laughs> Apologies. Well, OK. Um, tell you what, we'll have a brief pause and then we'll attack some of those weekend fixtures. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power, the home of the Money Back Special. Keep listening to the end of the podcast to find out more. This weekend in the Premier League, quick reminder, at the top... There are six points between five teams, United in second, all the way down to Chelsea in fifth, all jostling to get into the Champions League positions. Whereas down the other end, if you take West Brom out of it, you've got six points equally between Watford in 10th and Stoke in 19th. There are 10 teams very much in that mix. Uh, Arsenal, Burnley, Leicester and Everton, the four sides with little to play for. Arsenal, of course, may or may not be... Uh, in action this Thursday evening at home to City. You think that game's going ahead, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah it'll be uh, it'll be something terribly wrong if it doesn't. I mean, it might be it's normally about if it does. It's normally about the yeah, quite. Uh, it's normally about the concourses, and uh, they've had enough enough warning to be able to to do something with that, gritting it and sweeping it and whatever else. Ingress and egress. This is exactly it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, there's been a lot of talk post the Carabao Cup final about. Egress for Arson. Uh, I presume the club it was that leaked this kind of short list of six names for the succession, mm. um, which, as you point out, is a word that contains the word success in it, ironically. <laughs> uh, what do you make of those names? How realistic are they? Have we now reached 
again, a turning point in the future of Arsene Wenger at Arsenal? It's impossible. This is the most inscrutable decision that in football. Um, I think that the club, and when I mean that, I mean the sort of executive management team led by Ivan Gazidis, is very keen on a change. Um, but there's one sole arbiter, and that's the man who owns seventy percent of the football club. Virtually, it's Stan Kroenke, and and his relationship with Arsene Wenger is rock solid. There's talk that. Josh Kroenke wants his. He's the son who who's been running a lot of the the Kroenke Sports uh, and Entertainment um, enterprises, franchises, the likes of Denver Nuggets and whatever else. Mm. Um, so is he's he taking a closer he, role? At is he a woman? Is he a forty-year-old woman dressed up as the son or not? He, he's he's Josh Kroenke, the son of okay. uh, the scion of, uh, of of Stan, and he was there on Sunday at the at the uh, the uh, Carabao Cup final. So he's taking you know more than a passing interest in Arsenal's affairs. You really have amused yourself there, haven't you, James? James is just corpsing the other <laughs> into his microphone. Thank you. Uh, and he uh, <laughs> he allegedly wants uh, Thierry Henry, um, yeah. which is just what do you think of that, Matt? Joan Laporta has come behind, hasn't he? Oh, but Ian Wright. Joan Laporta is that a forty-year-old woman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Ian Wright. Ian Wright is, is very much against the idea. He thinks they need someone to, you know, It'd be ridiculous. Kick some bums and that. I think it's a really, really, really hard job. You try turning around this, this, this. Is it though, Matt? Yeah. This is a big club with so much money in the bank, with some very talented players, with a nice, undemanding set of directors. You might look at it and say it's hard to do worse than Vengeris with that group. I'm not sure that's a peach of a job. well, it should, it should be. Yeah, it should be, but not for somebody in his position. It, it would be if I if I were a Pep Guardiola and okay. out of job before. You know, if I'd never been to Manchester City, yeah. he wanted the Arsenal job. You know, before he when he was on his sabbatical, that was a position that he looked into and sounded out. Is there any vacancy going to be there? If if he'd have come in even then, when Arsenal were in decline. Um, and not in this position, it would have been fantastic for somebody mm. with, of his calibre. I see them probably going for, for for the likes of Carlo Ancelotti, somebody who's a safe pair of hands, somebody who will have that transitional well, he was approach. On, he was on that list of mm, names of that, as I say, I presume the club kind of leaked to friendly uh, fonts. Uh, also there, Yogi Love, uh, Cherry Henry, as you mentioned, Patrick Vieira... And Brendan Rodgers. Don't see Vieira doing it. Unless Vieira... Vieira really doesn't like Wenger anymore. Really does not like him. Um, Feels that he was completely abandoned by Wenger, as so many of the former players do. Um, So there has been... So whether or not he would want to do it to to, to stick the knife in. I mean, personally, why not go for somebody like Ralph Hausenhutel, who's Mm -hmm. who's done unbelievably well on extremely limited resources in the uh, in, in the Bundesliga and in Europe too. Um, I, I don't know why they wouldn't be looking for somebody like him. Probably after a period of transition, you don't want to be the David Moyes after Sir Alex Ferguson. So, you know, who, that's the problem. Who's going to take that job in that regard? Although there is a substantial difference between the legacy being left by those yes. two managers. Sorry. As, a, as well as a Luddite, I'm also a cynic and I can't help think that this is a well-timed leap from the club. Generally, between February and March or April, every year when Arsenal are struggling, a list of seismic transfer targets are released, mm. which the club, to be fair, last summer got a couple of the names mentioned. Um, this, to me, feels like the trump card version of that. It's 
the list of players is not going to work anymore. So this year we're going to do the list of manager targets. And it is coming around to season ticket renewal and membership renewal time. And I just can't help thinking that if Wenger wins a few games at the end of the season, the club just think, do you know what? You're probably going to leave next summer anyway. We'll leave it again. Um, and and as you say, that relationship with Stan Kroenke is, is, is so rock solid that it's quite easy for Wenger to talk the club round on that issue, right. I'd have thought. Even though the top four ship looks like it's sailed. I mean, top six looks pretty solid because there's such a gap between them. And but yeah, but if, if that was the issue, then then when when even Gazidis and when Wenger himself and when Stan Kroenke last summer talked about Premier League title bids, mm. the the moment they were sixth in the table, that would have become a kind of an untenable situation, and it hasn't become untenable no. uh, except in the eyes of supporters. Yes. So I don't I know. Think, the thing that will matter is 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 the the finances, and interestingly, <laughs> topically, Arsenal have released their half year accounts uh, in the last twenty four hours, and they're good, aren't they? They're mixed. Because they? um, they, they were presented with quite a positive spin that there was a lot of extra cash sitting in the bank. Yeah, well, that that's the key. You know, cash is king, and uh, and the cash inflow, operating cash inflow, is six point two million pounds better. Um, is and, that a lot? Because I mean, I know numbers are crazy in the Premier League. I mean, basically, yeah. they got a lot of money. Obviously, they're Arsenal. They've got 140 yeah. million pounds of free cash sitting sitting in the ca- in the bank and, okay. and doing nothing, earning. 0.1% interest for them. I mean, it's just the wrong time in the interest rate cycle to be having that much cash sitting around being a saver. You, you want to be putting that capital to work, and Arsenal singly haven't over the past six, seven, ten years. But the, 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 the problem they have is that a lot of that cash has come from property revenues, which have uh, were up £13.8 million, pounds and, and therefore... Yeah, and actually, are they've got to the end of that now? The, the, all the nice properties just to the right of the uh, roundabout outside the en- Emirates, um, they, they've all been sold. They've okay. been brought on the Queensland Road uh, element of it. They've they've all been sold now, so there's not there's no more to come from that. Uh, what really matters is that football revenues are down for twenty three point four million pounds because there's no Champions League football. That really hurts. It's pushed the gate revenues down by three million quid. It's pushed broadcasting down by sixteen and a half million, and it's and it's pushed their their commercial revenues, which are already paltry against you know the likes of City and, and Liverpool. And is Man that United the only thing that would well? force the likes of Kroenke to re- yeah, re- review so. his relationship with Wenger? You think so? Because okay. for me, from from the vantage of I'm watching. I don't see a man there who has any interest at all in football. I think he looks at it as as having a, a stake in the world's game, in one of the biggest brands in football, one that he can use as collateral for borrowing for his wider group. And we've seen a lot of that with the, the purchase of the of the St. Louis Rams shortly before he bought Arsenal and then building this $2 billion stadium out there. There's obviously a huge amount of leverage in his business and having Arsenal sitting in the middle of it as the centrifuge around which everything else spins is very, very valuable to him. So, it is all about money as far as he's concerned but the fact is the money has has, has managed you know, in, even in this this on-pitch crisis even in missing the Champions League they've still managed to increase their cash balance by 6 million quid and they're muddling through you know okay the the, the revenues football revenues have fallen off a cliff mm. but they're muddling through until the next 
Premier League TV deal when things will be going back up again. So Arsenal will always be the sixth, or worst, probably the eighth biggest club in England. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be muddling around, fumbling around for, for, for the Europa League stroke. Perhaps one year they win the lottery and get the fourth place trophy. They might get somewhere in in the domestic cup finals. That's the future of Arsenal. I think it? it is now. Yeah, I wow. think it is. I think I think they've got a, a millstone that, that hangs around them, and that's the the lack of ambition from the ownership. You, you probably don't even remember a time when Arsene Wenger wasn't the Arsenal manager, James. No, oh, no I do. Yeah, sure. You do. Yeah, I'm on the tail end James? of George Graham. I remember watching those. Uh... <laughs> I've got to say, you're not wearing well for a 22 year old. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that was that was very generous of you, James. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah. Well, he says I turned the whole world down to respect my contract so I'm still amazed that I still have to answer these types of questions about his his but future that he was put. doing that 20 years ago 15 years ago 10 years ago yeah. when he was the thing on earth mm. you know he was the the manager mm. and now I'm afraid you're not pal okay uh what are the chances things are going to get even worse for Arsenal don't know what's going to happen this evening against City the precedents aren't good but Saturday no sorry Sunday lunchtime they're at Brighton mm. Only City, Liverpool and Chelsea have managed to beat Brighton there at the Amex. Although Arsenal in the FA Cup have won 3-2 on their last two visits. What do you think, James? Well, look, Brighton are in form, clearly. Um, they won 4-1 at the weekend. Uh, they're unbeaten in four. Um, yeah, I think a lot of their success, I mean, they're pushing for mid-table at the moment, um, is yeah, based on their home form at the Amex. And I think they'll fancy themselves in this game. Um, definitely, because you know this is actually going to be a delicate week for Arsenal. Naturally, it is after what happened in the in the Carabao Cup final. But you know they play this game against City tonight, which looks kind of irrelevant, really. And that City are so far out in front, will it have a bearing on them if they lose? Arsenal are so far outside the top four, will it have a bearing on them? No, probably not. This Brighton game, I think, is going to be. It could pile on the misery for, and then you've got the Thursday night game against AC Milan coming up in the mm. Europa League. So. Yeah, things could get a lot worse before. Well, I don't even think they can get better. You know, Arsenal at the moment. Ooh. Arsenal's away form is is I think probably going to be crucial to Wenger staying or going. Despite everything we've said, they've won of the last fourteen away from the Emirates. They've won three against Burnley, Palace, and Ostersund. They've looked shambolic away from home. They've and more worrying than that, they've looked like they don't care. You He's know, lost dressing room. speaking to a few, you know, speaking to a lot of Arsenal fans. It's not that they're angry, the ones that go to away games. It's it's almost that they don't... The apathy now of their away performances is, is is abysmal. And and Wenger has this thing when Arsenal win a game after suffering a, a huge setback that, you know, we've shown our mental strength, we've shown our mental strength. Well, actually, it, firstly, it would be nice if you could do that within the confines of the same game rather than having to wait a few days and then showing everyone that you've improved their mental strength. And secondly, it would be nice to see if they could do it away from home because... Playing at the Emirates against teams and beating them three and four is not how you prove your mental strength. You do that by going away from home and, and proving that you can mix it with a team that are of, of a far worse standard than you, but just seem to want it more. Mm. And there's no excuse for that. And not not just in Wenger, but there's no excuse for that in the players as well. Uh, well, Brighton this weekend, who have got a couple of players who can't stop scoring. Uh, Glenn Murray, of course, and Lewis Dunk, uh, one of those uh, at the right end. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well, they've uh, got a really difficult run in at Brighton. Brighton. And mm. they play, I think, four of the top six. I was going to count Arsenal as five in that, and then I remembered. Uh, oh, no, Arsenal are in the top six. Top six, please. Yeah. But that's got to be their most winnable game in the top six. Um, so they've got. Who, Brighton? For Brighton, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyone's. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, Sunday at 1.30, that one is coming up. We're going to be looking at more of the battle at the top and the bottom after this. 
Well, listeners, if only you could have heard what we just heard from Matt Scott. <laughs> Uncut, uh, off mic, um, on the subject of the Gunners. You're just encouraging someone to hack Ben now. No, well, actually, what I'm encouraging is for people to come along to our live show. Ticketmaster.ie is the place to get hold of those few remaining tickets for our live show in Dublin, where you can hear the kind of things we just literally can't put out for legal reasons. Um, And that's on the 19th, Monday the 19th of March. Liverpool are taking on Newcastle this Saturday the 3rd of March. The tea time fixture. It's a fixture too, Daniel. I need hardly remind you which historically features loads of goals. Yeah, it's it, TV companies are contractually obliged to pick it <laughs> because they are they are on the four three hat trick and woe betide them if they if they miss the. What are the, the prospects goal. this time? Low scoring. If Newcastle have got anything to do with it, Rafa Benitez prefers playing away from home as as Newcastle manager. But he he feels like he doesn't have the pressure to play on the front foot, and he believes his team and his teams in general are better mm. when they play on the back foot. Um, they Liverpool have struggled traditionally, although less so this season, against teams that play with a deep defence, and that's what Newcastle do. They're probably missing John Joe Shelby, which is a massive loss mm, for former them. Former Liverpool player, indeed, so, yeah. Um, but his his kind of counter attacking passing, the 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 pass that unlocks that counter attacking move, has basically been their biggest weapon this season. All right, but what are the, the chances? Are very slim that he's he he had a scan on a knee injury after after the draw at Bournemouth, so that doesn't sound good. But yeah, I, um, Benitez will do it, try and do exactly the same he did against City, which was kind of a parody of mm-hmm. how, how defensively he played, but he'll try and do the same, and if they stop that front three scoring two or more goals, he'll be very happy. OK. Liverpool have been in terrific form of late. They've only lost one match in 19 now in the Premier League. Elsewhere, Chelsea take on Man City... Uh, well, there'll be a lot of team changes, I presume, for Pep. Will there between Thursday night's tonight's game with Arsenal and, and this with Chelsea? Perhaps, although you know what we've, we've seen is that uh, usually with a manager who's preparing for a, a Champions League knockout second leg, mm. you know that would weigh on his mind as well. But not in this case because they're they're already through to the quarterfinals. So right. in some respects, they can they can go hell for leather in these two games, although they don't really need to. Uh, um, and was it four uh, nil? They're up four nil against Basel. Was yeah, four. Yeah. Yeah, and Pep always plays his first eleven. Okay, although that might not feature Fernandinho, who is set to miss this, and mm. we were saying on Monday that does look like a a very worrying bit of news for it's City. Mm. Yeah, would, who would come in? Yaya Torre, or they just play Gundogan slightly deeper, I suppose. Uh-huh. Um, Yaya Torre will never kick another no. goal for Manchester uh, City. Really, Delph is the backup in that position, I suppose, isn't he? Oh, okay. Don't, right. don't fall out with Pep. He'll he'll invent something, you know. <laughs> if we've seen Delph and Zinchenko John, players yeah, left Stones, back, he'll come up with something out of the out, yeah out of the box. I'd like with... to see Edison in that role myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Bruce, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Troll Chelsea a little bit. It's a huge game. We played Zabaleta in there, didn't he? A few times. Is he? Okay, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, obviously he not played, uh, not an option this time. Um, <laughs> Clearly, because he's at West Ham United. Yeah, big game this for Chelsea. Uh, but is Antonio Conte bothered? You know, Chelsea being two points outside the top four, but again this week, talk from uh, Alessandro Costa-Curta, Billy Costa-Curta, uh, who's now deputy head of the FA, is that right? He's essentially in charge of picking the next national team manager. And um, he wants Conte. And he wants Conte, yeah. Um, and he, he said that the list uh, is down to three, okay. and that it is Conte Mancini or the current Southgate option, Gigi Di Biagio. Right. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask why... They're so 
mad for Conte. If you think about the, the format really of the well World Cup, well, yeah, okay, he did quite well. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that wasn't such a bad team as everybody makes out. Well, I mean, there was some without also, him, it didn't get also, to the World Cup. Yeah. You also Pardon? can't moan about transfers as a national team manager. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just yeah. saying, without him, it, it, you know, take him out of the equation yeah. and they failed to get to the World Cup. He yeah, overachieved with a weaker that. squad than the one that Ventura had at a major tournament. OK, but his record in Europe isn't great and the format of the competition is exactly the same. It's about a group stage and then knockout mm. stages. I mean, he's, he's never got past the quarterfinals in, in the Champions League, has but, he? I mean, he did go out on penalties to, to Germany in the, in the Euros and many people, I thought, at that time, thought that if... Italy had gone through then, hmm. they would have they would perhaps have won that tournament. Because Who they, knows? They, they, Wouldn't been that the... concern you if you were Costa Curta? No, I don't think so. Right. I think you'd probably regard that as a... Although the Italians do have that concern about reheated soup, and we, we saw what happened when Marcello Lippi returned to the Italian national side, mm. how, how badly that went. Um, what about this game, though? Because, as I say, Chelsea, you know, like Arsenal, in real danger of missing out on the top four, Daniel. Yeah, it's a massive game for, for Alvaro Morata as well, uh-huh. if, if selected. Um, there's a There's been pieces this week about Chelsea's fairly prevalent concerns about Morata, not just for this season, but next season as well, and kind of asking the Arsenal question of how how much faith do you have in a striker that's not quite doing what you wanted to do when you've got enough cash in the bank that you can go out and buy another one if you want to. Alvaro had never played 1,500 minutes in a league season before this season, which Chelsea saw as a, as a positive. They saw that as the antidote to Lukaku's you know, huge amount of football played and they thought, well, he's going to be fresh. But mm. actually, it just looks like he's, he's rusty as anything. Um, he's scored three goals since November against, I think, Bournemouth, Brighton and West Brom. <laughs> Which, wow. So <laughs> three goals since November. Yeah, that's right. Bournemouth, Brighton, and West Brom. Yeah, so it's not going well at all. Um, and with Giroud there as Giroud there as the option, he looked better in ten minutes in the last game than you know than than Murata did in eighty. Uh, and obviously they're they're playing this Conte quite likes this system of, of Hazard playing as a as a false nine. Although I think Hazard would prefer to play on the left, but mm. they've got other options now and and. Morata is no longer being a fifty million pound player. No longer gives you a VIP pass to staying in the first team if you're not pulling your weight, uh, and nor should it. Um, and there's some serious questions about it. I think Giroud will start games very mm. soon. He's he's a world class finisher. He is, and he brings other players into the game. He's, he's, and he could be a starter. He should be. He should. I, I think he's a better player than Morata. I really do. I think he, the way that he brings that, holds the ball up, he, his, his touch work is fantastic, and and he knows where the net is with his head, with his both feet. He's fantastic. Finisher. Him holding the ball up for the, that kind of not front three, but that sort of like yeah. mm. do you not withdrawn three is quite an appetising prospect. No? Yeah, absolutely right. Do you not think Conte will go with the same tactics that he deployed against um, Barcelona? And basically acknowledging that they're not going to have a lot of the ball and, and, and put faith in Pedro Hazard and Willian to, to break because they're better at carrying the ball, they can counterattack. I mean that's something that Morato used to be used to be good at when he was confident, but I would expect him to go with something similar to that, really. Except that uh, that's exactly as Daniel says, Hazard doesn't like playing in that position. All right. Chelsea's chances of doing a Wigan. <laughs> what being relegated and winning the FA Cup? <laughs> <laughs> Nil. Nil? Nil, Matt? Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, sorry, Chelsea, James. Surprising how one-sided this game was in the reverse fixture when it was only 1-0. Um, but um, City completely outplayed. outplayed Chelsea at the bridge. All right. Man United have to wait until Monday for their fixture. They're going to be at Crystal Palace, who are, as we documented on Monday, going through a rotten run, just two points from the last 15 available. 
and loads of players are injured. Crucially, Zaha, who they always lose without. And they've got Chelsea next after this, then home to Huddersfield, then home to Liverpool. Yikes. They should have Zaha back, though, after this. Oh, really? Well, after, 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 this one. after these two games against United and Chelsea. Uh-huh. Um, must be said that United's record away from home of late has been pretty poor. Obviously, they went and lost to Newcastle um, last That's time true. on the road. And you look at the teams that they've suffered defeats to Huddersfield, Basel, Bristol City, Newcastle. Um, all those games, of course, away from home. That should right. give, give Palace a little bit of hope, even though they will be without their major difference. And Crystal Palace at home have produced some quite remarkable results this Mm. season, haven't they? Let me just get this straight. They drew at home with Arsenal and Liverpool and beat Chelsea there, is that right? That's right, yeah. There you are. Yeah? Yeah. Super. Okay. Well, they they need a result to Palace because their only goal difference outside of the bottom three. Mm. A bottom three in a relegation battle we'll be talking about after this. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible. And their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door. And you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Take a bow, Gareth Davis, says producer Ben, who was very impressed with your post on our Facebook page, which is Facebook slash The Totally Football Show. Uh, Gareth was concerned about the incident involving the Queen of the South goalkeeper and that runaway cow. How old was that bovine, asked Gareth? Did the keeper injure his calf? Eh? Because... <laughs> Speaking of Facebook, though, uh, we've got another of our Totally Football quizzes coming up tomorrow lunchtime. I'll be hosting it, I think. Facebook.com slash The Totally Football Show at 12.30 GMT on Friday. And you could be, Matt, in with a chance of winning. <laughs> Ooh, another shirt from classicfootballshirts.co.uk. A signed copy of Kieran Dyer's book. Do you know? Do we know which one? <laughs> which of his oeuvre <laughs> right. are we talking about? And here? more FIFA 365 trading cards. And other prizes too. Probably a scented candle. Because they always go down well at gift time. Don't you think, Matt? Mother's Day coming up. Is it? Uh, France. Neymar's going to have surgery. There was a little bit of to and fro, a little bit of unseemly bickering between PSG and Neymar's dad, but he will be undergoing surgery in Brazil at the end of the week because I I think the big priority that everyone has now is is making sure that he's available for the Celestial for the World Cup and he's got an ankle injury and a broken metatarsal, so... That's not good. Uh, also not good for PSG is the fact that Mbappé came off in their midweek cup game against Marseille. Second time in four days they'd played Marseille, and as in the first time they'd beaten 3-0. No word yet, I don't think, on, on, the, on the seriousness of Mbappé's injury. But the good news for Paris Saint-Germain was the fact that uh, Di Maria got a run out in the team, which has been a real issue for him and his missus. And he, he scored a brace. The, the first of which, I don't know if you saw this, was a delightful... You saw this, yeah, Daniel, yeah? It's like a Tom Huddleston effort, I'd describe it as. <laughs> behind the ball and just it stays on its line. You can well, read the word Nike as it goes in the net. And but, speaking of lines, only if that line was drawn by the VAR consultant because the amount of wiggle <laughs> yeah. it does in the air was extraordinary, It I looked thought. like our old friend Jabalani. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. So, do you know, I mean... 
Not all bad things come to, you know, the Italian expression. Mm. Yeah. Clouds have silver linings. Di Maria is a very, very valuable card to play in, in Neymar's absence, I, I would suggest, ahead of next week's clash at the Parc des Princes with Real Madrid. <sighs> yeah, with Real Madrid. Oh, he'll be fired up for that one, won't he? Real Madrid. <laughs> yes, yes. Di Maria. Yes. Yeah, well, no, he's, he, he's, uh, he's a good player and he always was. I mean, he just wasn't happy at Manchester United. Yeah. So anybody who thinks that that, that was the calibre of the man was, was his performance when he was here is is be unfair on him. I mean, he's been brilliant in front. Mm. But it's not a difficult place to be brilliant in, to be honest. Well, if you can get in the team and that's been, yeah. that's sure. been the issue. You've got £350 million pounds of talent in front of you. Yeah. Sam Nazri has been banned for six months. The for drip. Go- yeah, no, can you explain so, this story a, to me? That was a joke. Yeah, no, but what what's happened there? Uh, was so, he not out of contract? Was he is he with the club at the moment? Nasri? He was with the club. Yeah. He moved from Man City to Antalya Spor. Okay, and uh, and then they released him, and uh, he's now been banned for he 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 was on an intravenous drip, which was considered illegal, and oh. uh, um, it was tweeted by him and by uh, that the hospital in question. So that was why I'm calling him a drip. Oh, was, right. Yeah, so a, they put out a picture. He really himself put out puns. a picture of him on a drip, which then turned out to be illegal. And yeah. him cuddling up to the attractive... He'd exactly. got away with it. Yeah, cuddling up to the attractive nurse in, oh, really? in the thing. Yeah. Okay. Stilichidio. What, what's that? Well, it's the, the drip, the dripping of, uh, dripping of news. Is that what stilichidio means? Yeah, yeah stilichidio. I, do you know what? That's one of those words that you encounter and you kind of follow up. Yeah, I think I know what that means. Mm. Uh, like, just to be clear, that's one of those words I do not encounter. <laughs> <laughs> if you read the Gazette, you would. Still uh, The drip, drip, dripping of news. Oh, yeah. Drip, something drip, drip, dripping through. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough talk about drip, drip, dripping, eh? That's enough drip puns, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, in already on the beach news, North American Soccer League, we had Kelly Cates in the other day whose brother, Paul Dalglish, has just moved to Florida to take charge of Paolo Maldini's Miami FC. What timing, Paul? What timing? Because NASL this week have announced they've cancelled the whole 2018 season. It's gone, (laughs) bosh. Wow. This is after... Because what happened was the authorities and the states relegated them from the second division to the third division. The whole division got changed from second division to third division. And they... They, they went to court. They delayed the start of the, of, of the season while they went to court and the federal court has rejected its appeal to obtain an injunction on this. It does sound a bit of a mess, that, but quite exciting. Maybe we should be grateful for VAR and only VAR yeah, troubles. That's true, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back in the Premier League, we've got some big games coming up in the battle at the bottom. Specifically, Saints, who are only goal difference above the bottom three, against Stoke, who are very much in it, and Swansea, who are goal difference inside the bottom three, against a West Ham team who are three points above it, but might not be after this weekend. What tickles your fancy here, Daniel? Uh, Southampton is the really interesting one for me. They've had a, 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 the kind of exception season in the Premier League in that only five teams outside the top seven have not set their manager, and they are hmm. um, the three promoted clubs and Bournemouth, who all, I think, we can safely say have the best manager they could hope to attract. Right. And then Southampton, who have this underperforming new manager. They've been prepared to sack managers before after underperformance, but have kept faith with Pellegrino. And the reason is because they've they've declined. They're, they're slightly worse at everything than they were last season, um, but they've not committed to disaster like Swansea and Palace and West Brom have. Therefore, there's not been a change. And 
they're just kind of slipping, 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 and no one's noticed apart from their own fans who are trying to kick up a fuss now. And suddenly they're level on points of the relegation zone. And mm. and if they don't beat Stoke at home this weekend, I think their last, I think they've got, I think they play fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth, and eleventh in the last six games. Um, and if they don't beat Stoke on Saturday, I think they're in all sorts of trouble. And it's just kind of crept up on them um, by being miserable at shooting. And it's just been a little that bit drip, 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 isn't it? I was trying to stay away from it, but I haven't managed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Stoke uh, arriving with one win in nine and only six goals scored in that run, most of them by Shakiri. None, of course, by Seda Barry and a poor chap. It would be lovely to see him score a goal. Tuesday marks the second anniversary of the last time he did in the Premier League. That's a long time. Yeah, he got some... Uh... Yeah, I mean, there was, there's been you know issues and problems he's, he's been battling with. So, mm. uh, yeah, it would be lovely to see him score a goal. But they've obviously lost their best player in, in the transfer window at the start of the season. I mean, it has mm. been absolutely outstanding for West Ham and Mark Hughes didn't get the right tune out of him. Indeed. The real problem for everybody down there is, is, is that Swansea... And notwithstanding the the four one defeat to Brighton, are absolutely flying, and that's uh, one, that's their only defeat in twelve in all competitions. I wow! Think. And they, you know, they've Carlo Cavallial has done an incredible job, and everybody you've mentioned that all the way up to tenth, there's only six points in it, but everybody has to be looking over their shoulder. And they've because... got the easiest run in of Swansea. Swansea, yeah, really, yeah. I think Stoke and West Brom are gone, by the way, because mm. the, the, you you go back thirty eight games. Mm. And they are, I mean, they're, they're both relegating forms. If it, it, not on the on in, in those, that's a season, a full season, yeah. but not on the on a season calendar. No, no, yeah. And they are both of them way below the. That's an interesting way of looking at it. About twenty-five points, I think, between each of them. Um, uh, or no, so you've got Stoke that, down and points. West Brom down. And mm. I, I doubt many Baggies fans would would disagree with you there. Just on the subject of this Swansea game with West Ham. Swansea getting back to winning ways midweek with the 2-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday in their cup replay. That was their sixth straight victory at home where they've done wonderful things. Back-to-back wins against well, Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Carvajal's kind of... He came in and, and acted as this lightning rod for all the publicity. He took it all off the players with these kind of bizarro metaphors he used and most of them nautical um i like his p- police academy ones yeah. yeah and then i mean he actually he changed the game against burnley that they won at, at home and then last week against brighton he just threw on attackers at will and thought this will work it was a very sort of very basic football manager approach to it um and they got hammered i still have questions over swansea i still think i, I wonder if they've kind of peaked and now they need to get it back again because Despite peaking, it shows how bad they were. They're, they're still in the relegation zone. So. Yeah, well, that's because they were terrible. Shocking. Yes, um, and you know they've lost. Their, again, we talk about players being taken out of squads. You, you lose Jalend, who okay, he's not scored many hat tricks, but he's still a very good player. Um, and you lose Sigurdsson, who's the guy who pulls all the strings, and you don't replace them. It's not easy for anybody. I think Paul Clement's a better manager than he's he, than he showed. Uh, this season, given the resources he had available to him, and what he's managed to do, though, is is bring in some energy and some enthusiasm, you know, not just to the media interviews, but into the dressing room. You know, he's managing to get something out of Nathan Dyer that, that we haven't seen in a, in a fair amount of time. I think he he looks outstanding for Swansea mm. at the moment. He's, he really scored well on again. yeah, yeah played really well mm-hmm. again against Sheffield Wednesday. All right, um, 
So yeah, I think he's I think he's doing everything right, and and that that is just a, a bit of a blip against Brighton for me because there's no shame uh, in losing at the Amex, as we know they're a very very strong side. As Arsenal may discover this weekend, <laughs> yeah. uh, West Ham have only won one in their last five, then with a tough game away at the Liberty. West Brom, in what was billed at the start of the week as Alan Pardew's last stand, uh, are at Watford, who are a little bit inconsistent. Today, three, four years ago, four years ago today, it was Alan Pardew getting sent off for headbutting David Mailer in the uh, 4-1 win for Newcastle against Hull. Lovely ah. man, great manager. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Watford, who are in 10th, and they're, what, six points clear? The... I think they're they're probably safe. Mm. Um, the, the the odd thing about this season for me is that it feels like there's a, a huge mush of teams below the top seven or eight, which is probably fair. But actually, the the points totals they're on course to get are, are, are far greater than last season. Oh. Um, last season, Sunderland went down with 24, and then there was a 27, and then there was a 34. I think um, West, you know, West Brom are already would finish wouldn't have finished bottom last season on the course they're on, and. We used to talk about Southampton. Southampton last season finished 12 points ahead of relegation. And yet they're, they're not doing a lot worse in terms of points per game, but they're right in the thick of it. Um, so I, th- I think it's a case of basically everybody beating everybody at the bottom. Because okay. it's created this so the massive points have just mush. been more even each Yeah, day. exactly. Every, the top six is beating everyone, and then everyone else is basically beating each other, which has created this mush at the bottom of the table, which obviously is reflected with the incredibly tight relegation race. But Could yeah. Everton get caught up in that relegation race? They are... Currently seven points clear, but they are away at Burnley this weekend. Are Burnley a bottom of the form table? <laughs> Burnley, but who uh, seem to be doing everything to show that you know they can still remain what in the in that in that position despite going eleven games without a win. Mm. How long can they hang on there? Still <laughs> seven. It's, ama- it's amazing. Well, Leicester could move past them this weekend uh, if they get at least a draw at home to Bournemouth in that very exciting uh, race for seventh. But Everton. Their last five away games, they've lost all of them, scored three goals and conceded 13. Dreadful against Watford last time out. Burnley actually beat them at Goodison Park. Is this where Burnley get back to winning ways? You should do because they're they're pretty good at Goodison, irrespective of their you know their form that you've just spoken about. There, they do win games at home. Um, but they're shocking away. I mean, they are just like so many teams in the Premier League. Why is this? You're still kicking the same football. You're still, you know, you're still. The grass is still green when it's not snowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why is it that, that teams don't perform away from home? Has anybody ever written a book about this? Because I want to read it. I will not be writing that book. But I, <laughs> but I will say, I will say that everyone um, looked at you, Dan. Yeah, I know that's weird. Um, the reason Everton are awful away from home is because it looks like Allardyce has basically given up. It was really interesting. After they went on this pretty decent run to start off with, he kind of said, it's because I'm micromanaging the players, it's because I've simplified my instructions and my tactical plans and everyone's on board with what they're doing. And then after the defeat of Watford last week, he said, well, the thing is, if the players can't pass the ball properly, it's nothing to do with me. And not just that. Incredible. And if the players can't pass the ball properly, it's nothing to do with me. And Michael Keane, by the way, I don't like him. He's not good enough and he's not doing what I tell him. And look at him again. He's let the ball go through his legs for a... I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, he's, he's just he's digging out. out Ma- dry, well, no, Michael yeah. Keane yeah. in particular, he does not like him. It, it, 
it, it, when when Allardyce was appointed, it very much felt like, as, as a, again, as a cynic, that he was going to get six months in that job, get his three and a half million pound payoff, and go back to the villa in Spain to to drink whatever. What was that, Casa Sam? Yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever volume of wine he wants to drink. Casa um, St James's, I think. That's uh, yeah, that's the yes. One. Speaking of going back somewhere, uh, word is that Schenk Tosun <laughs> is what, already is going to be going back to Turkey. That's what British well. Spanish just said in, in my in my ear. You're going to say too soon. Mm. Mm. <laughs> too no, much. I don't know if that's what producer Ben was was uh, directing this towards, but yeah, apparently that's they've you know they've they've found the receipt and they're you know. How do you do that outside of a transfer? I don't know. Matt. You don't. You don't. No. But I guess at the end of the season. Yeah. Must be the end of the season. Huh. Who's the other team going down then, Matt, along with Stoke and West Brom? Well, I thought Newcastle, and uh, I'm still going to go for that. Two points clearer. Yeah, I mean, if the goalkeeper is, you know, it's all down to him. If he if okay. he falls over for some reason, and uh, he got a wallop in the side the other day, uh, and I was beginning to think then, goodness me, that's a, that's a problem for them if that does happen. But I think Palace, are, uh, no, well, actually, no, I'm going to change my opinion. It's Palace because <laughs> okay. of the injuries that they've had. They've, they've, they've lost... Um, uh, they're two centre backs, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be the decisive factor. So yes, Palace. Yikes! What do you think, James? Ooh, I think uh, I think Newcastle are going to be hard up against it, just yeah. because um, I mean their home record is terrible, notwithstanding that win against against United. Um, they have got some big, let's you know, quote unquote, relegation six pointers at St James's against Southampton, Huddersfield, and West Brom. Mm. You know, a lot will depend on those. Okay, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I'm going for Palace, Stoke, and West Brom. That's Ooh. my three. Again, as Matt says, the, those injuries have just absolutely knocked the stuffing out of Palace. One or two other little things to mention. Uh, we had a Golazzo yesterday, didn't we? Mm-hmm. In which we talked about the fact that there's an absolutely remarkable set of fixtures coming up this weekend. The top six are all playing each other. The top eight, if you want to go that far, are all playing each other. The fixtures, hard to know which one to go for. The, the kind of marquee match I guess would be the Milan derby especially with Milan being in such terrific form another clean sheet yesterday as they got past Lazio on penalties in the Coppa Italia semi-final so that's one James then what else you got well you've got uh, Napoli against Roma the derby of the south the derby of the south and uh, Napoli, Napoli 10 yeah. straight wins and uh, five nil winners on Monday night. Yeah, five different goal scorers. They're four points clear. Mm-hmm. Juve've got a game in hand. But Juve play Lazio at the weekend, and Lazio have beaten them twice this season in the Super Cup and the way in Turin. So that's a huge game as well, Lazio Juve. But these cup semi-finals might have a bearing on this because um, we saw you know, Milan and Lazio have to go to extra time and to a penalty shootout. So Gattuso, both these teams are involved in the Europa League as well. So they've had a very kind of congested fixture list, which mm. may well impact on, for example, Milan's game against Inter and Lazio's game against Juventus. That's so true. Milan, of course, have one eye on Thursday's, next Thursday's fixture, Mm -hmm. at home to Arsenal in a repeat of the 1994 European Super Cup, Mm. interestingly enough. Uh, Who have Lazio got after absolutely hammering Stade Bucharest? They've got Dinamo Kiev. Okay. Okay. Got some questions here on uh, Italian things. Uh, Mr Podge says, can Napoli keep up the pace with this squad? Is it inevitable that Juve will overtake them and will Merton still be there next season? There's a lot of questions in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they can keep this up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen them do it. I know people don't like calendar year stats, but you know they put up more than 100 points. I know there's a break of a summer in there and all that sort of thing, but, but 
they they have they they cannot do any more than they're doing at the moment. Right, they're they seem on, they're to be on, picking up speed, not slowing down. Yeah, they're on course to 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 break Conte's record with Juventus in his final season when they finished with 102 points. I mean, they've wow. been absolutely outstanding. Um, so Mertens, far, and is he still going to be there next year? Mertens, well, obviously there's this uh, there's this buyout clause in his contract, which is what 28 million euro. But how old is he? He's in his 30s now, yeah. Yeah, so I'm early not sure 30s. Who's gonna... um, but I think that there is this sense that this Napoli side might uh, might break apart right. uh, at the end of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, Napoli so so far trying to take the pressure off themselves by basically saying that um, yeah, it doesn't matter if we win the Scudetto or not, we will be remembered just like Holland were in you know, 1974 oh, nice. for the style of play that we've been. Playing. Okay, um, Mark says who will get the final two Champions League spots in Syria, assuming Napoli and Juve finish first and second, which is what's going to happen. Yeah, so Lazio will get the other one, I think. So you've got Lazio, Inter and Roma separated by those three of those, sorry, those three teams for two places separated by two points at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Milan who keep kicking ass. Um, ah. Yeah, they've beaten, they've beaten Roma, they've beaten uh, Lazio, they've beaten Sampdoria and they've got Inter at the weekend. So, yeah, if they keep putting these results together, if they can sustain this, they might have a very outside chance of sneaking it. And of course, they're still in the Europa League, where they can qualify for the Champions League anyway if they win that. But if. I think a lot of people think that's Atletico Madrid's competition to lose. Right. Okay. Uh, in Spain, this is a big game coming up on Sunday. Yeah, at the Camp Nou. Daniel, you're nodding because yeah, it is. It's Barca Atletico, which is <sighs> everyone sort of assumed that Barcelona have won the title because they've been so dominant. But actually, Atlet- the, the pace Atleti have kept up has been pretty incredible, and and Griezmann is in. Griezmann is the form player in La Liga at the moment. Right. Um, scored and it's since Diego Costa has come, yeah. come back in that that's really yeah, unleashed he, Yeah, absolutely. He was he looked pretty glum in the autumn, Griezmann, but with Costa kind of doing what Costa does and taking away at least one defender and at least all the all the pressure. Um, and yeah, he's delighting behind it. He's playing that sort of Eden Hazard role of picking the ball up deep and just running at teams. He got four last night and he looks absolutely brilliant the, the, the weakness they have is again you talk about injuries they've got a very thin squad they let a lot of players go the likes of Gaetan left yeah. uh, in, in January the, the fact they don't have Champions League income has hurt them a lot more than it has Arsenal for instance and you know, I think they've got 17 senior players in their squad so you get three or four injuries between now and the end of the season and you know their chances of winning Europa League are, are significantly diminished I, yeah, that's I, true. I suspect if they don't win at the weekend they will do a Man United and yeah. Simeone might prioritise Europa League because right. it is they are the clear favourites and with Milan playing Arsenal and with Dortmund kind of stumbling through um, I think they'll fancy themselves there Yeah, who have they got? Locomotive Moscow. Thank you. Mm. Oh, I should imagine that's one place on earth parkier than London right now. Yeah, I think. No, you imagine the security presence as well. Be big after what happened in the Athletic Bilbao Spartak game. Yeah, which is something we never discussed because that was last Thursday, wasn't it? When Mm. a a Spanish policeman died. Mm. Horrific scenes. There must have been there. What what exactly happened there? Do you know? They were throwing golf balls and whatnot. Mm. And they announced. I mean, they announced that the policeman kind of had a heart attack, yeah. which is what killed him, specifically to point out that it wasn't direct violence against policemen, but obviously he was there and they were being attacked. And So he was accompanying this, the, the, the Bilbao fans? Yeah, either I, either accompanying them or, kind of protecting, or protecting them, yeah. yeah. But this, wow. this, this happened on the day before uh, 
uh, a Russian fan was arrested in uh, well in transfer en route to to Bilbao uh, in Munich. He was arrested by German police because it, it was an international arrest warrant put out by the French police because he put uh, allegedly uh, in an attack during uh, Euro 2016. He put an England fan into a coma. Um, and so there was a, you know, he, he, two years later, has been uh, arraigned by German police. Wow. Unknowing on his, on his way to follow his football team. Mm. So, yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a very, very severe problem with Russian fans' violence. And where are we heading in the summer? Indeed so. Anything else you boys want to talk about before we conclude? Well, we talked about the champ- uh, the Europa League. Yes. Um, what prospects do Arsenal have in that tie against Thanks Now, Matt, interest Matt that's going to be the subject of next week's oh, right, Galazzo. Right. However, you won't be there, and probably mm. you never listened to our oh, Wednesday well, Italian football podcast. Of I do. What were we talking about I this don't week? Listen then? to the Italian okay. one, though. Right, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll give you a little taster, or at least James will. James. Well, Milan look like a team at the moment. There's a lot of togetherness about them. They talk about you know helping their brothers out. You know mm. when. I think it's not something you associate with Arsenal. No, no, no. Six clean sheets in a row. Again, not something you associate with Arsenal. A lot of love for Gattuso. Oh, yeah, Donnarumma's looking great. Mm. They're looking fantastic at the back. Milan. Tuesday's Gazetta had the Milan team photo with every single face replaced with Gattuso's. It was. I don't know if you ever saw the Aphex Twin uh, video. It was equally disturbing for me. Although I, some might suggest that uh, David Suzo was equally as influential as Gennaro Gattuso, because he's very much running that show. Uh, but yeah, think well. That is your Milan fan? Fingers crossed. We'll talk more about this in more depth. Mm. Well, that's one that I will be listening to. Oh, yeah? Mm. All right, that'll be next Wednesday. Daniel, did you have something you wanted to pitch in? The only thing I wanted to say is oh. that uh, Friday night, um, Middlesbrough League is probably going to be cancelled because of weather. Ah. But. Uh, not many people know, but there's a channel called Free Sports on Freeview that has Portuguese football live, um, ah. and it has Porto Sporting on Friday night. Damn! First against third. In I Portugal. was not aware of that. So you yeah. can watch the Liga Nosh for free on yes, Freeview, and you can watch the Belgian Jupiler League, and you can watch La Liga Two, and uh-huh. you can watch international under nineteen football if you so choose. But yeah, the the sp- Porto Sporting is a, a big game for Freeview. proper game, isn't it? What Porto are top right now? Yes, uh, five points clear of Sporting in third with Benfica in the middle. Okay, does that mean it's on Sky? It means on Sky, and it means it's on Freeview for right. people that yeah. have neither. Yeah. Well, that's great, isn't it? Mm. Nice work, Daniel. Well, after all that football chat, let's now just finish off with some odds from Paddy Power with producer Ben. Thank you, James. I'm joined today by the birthday boy himself, Lee Price. How are you, Lee? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. You share a birthday with my wife, but uh, this is of no interest to any of our (laughs) listeners. So uh, let's get stuck into these odds then for movers and shakers. Salah, Aguero and Kane, they can't stop scoring, any of them. What would you give on all three of them getting a brace this weekend? Well, first of all, I'd give a punter maybe a a cold glass of water in the chair to sit in, uh, because it's quite a bold bet. Um, I like Salah to score twice against Newcastle. He's 16-5 to just to do that. I like Kane to score twice against Huddersfield. He's 11 to 4 if he gets past Lorente, of course. Aguero's playing Chelsea, though, and he's 4 to 1 to score twice. So if you do like this as a treble, that's where the value really comes. And for all three of them to score twice or more this weekend, you can get odds of 78 to 1. Which sounds pretty good. And I think probably better than you'd get for Saido Berahino, uh, who has just gone past his, his two year anniversary of his last goal. What about him scoring this weekend? 
Yeah, not so happy anniversary for Berrinho. Um, away to Southampton, a better chance than most weekends. He's four to one to score this weekend, but he's just sixteen to one not to score for another two years. Uh, poor lad. That's pretty tough on old Sido. Um, and someone else who's not going through the best of times at the moment is our friend Alan Pardew. Uh, he lives to fight another day. This could be his last game up against Watford. What price on two set-piece goals for West Brom and a draw or a win here? Yeah, this is really interesting because on one hand, you've backed West Brom to score twice, which I admire. Um, but if they are going to score, it is going to be from set-pieces. So two goals from set-pieces and a draw or win is 25-1. to one. But we think it's going to be a case of taxi for Pardew. He's odds-on to be sacked on Monday. OK, so that's uh, that's Pardew. You're not expecting great things from him. Now, our friend Lewis Dunk, he's tied on four goals, four own goals, that is, with uh, Martin Skirtle from 2013-14. Um, Brighton are playing Arsenal this weekend. What price on Lewis Dunk going out there on his own, getting his fifth own goal, a record-breaking fifth own goal of the season? Yeah, he's going for the record. I'm sure he really wants it. Um, interestingly, with 33-1 to that he scores an own goal this weekend, this could be real value, I think. Um, we're 20 to 1 that he scores more than 10 own goals this season. Uh, I thought we'd really been hitting out with the, the victims this week, but I hope Duncan gets a record for his own benefit. And uh, what about the money back special that you're offering this weekend? Yeah, I don't know if our traders have had brain freeze or what, but this seems crazy to me. It's for the Man City Chelsea game on Sunday, uh, and we're offering money back as a free bet if Aguero scores which he always does. So that sounds like a great bet to me. Uh, I will read the legalese stuff because I want to keep my job for next week. Uh, that applies to losing first, last, anytime goal scorers, correct score bets and what odds paddy moments. Uh, max refund £10 applies only to UK retail. Terms and conditions apply. BeGambleAware.org You can find out those odds and more at paddypad.com. It's 18 plus only though. And when the fun stops, stop. 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 Is that why we're stopping now as well? Because <laughs> the, the fun, fun never stops. <laughs> the fun has with you, James. Yes. But we just have to dose ourselves. Um, and <laughs> off I heard, with. I, I heard that as douse ourselves. <laughs> oh, dose. <laughs> dose ourselves. Some, some form of antidepressant. Yeah. <laughs> A bit like that in in oral form. Oh, okay. Oral form. Mm. Yeah. Uh, take thrice weekly. <laughs> uh, and you know your next uh, dosage etc will be on Monday so do join us for that listeners uh, have yourselves a great weekend all of you in the snow a frolicking mm. uh, for now from all of us here it's goodbye The Totally Bubble Show is a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddyneesmedia.com 